Welcome to the Public Sector Marketing Show, a podcast for government and public sector marketing professionals who want to level up their digital marketing and social media knowledge, skills, and strategic thinking. And now, welcome your host, Joanne Sweeney. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of the Public Sector Marketing Show. Today I'm talking about news versus narrative in digital communications. There is a real blurring of the lines around news online. Who owns news and who has the right to create it? Right now, news is a commodity that is owned by anyone willing to create it. Sources of news are no longer just mainstream media. We have subject matter experts, topic enthusiasts, hobbyists, and couch commentators, all feeding the ever-hungry internet and social media news feeds. So how do we separate news from narrative in a world of content shock? Coming up in episode 67, who owns news anyway? How to turn news into narrative to shape public opinion? And I speak to Tony Abad, former Bloomberg journalist and lawyer, and we discuss the skills of diplomacy, communications, and public trust in the digital age. Our democracies are in danger of dying. That was the stark message from New Zealand Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern at a recent commencement address at Harvard University. And to quote her, she said, the issues we navigate as a society will only intensify. The disinformation will only increase. The pull into the comfort of our tribes will be magnified. But we have it within us to ensure that this doesn't mean we fracture. The foundation of a strong democracy includes trust in institutions, experts and government. And that this can be built over decades, but torn down in mere years is a real risk to our democracies. I totally back what Jacinda Ardern said in her commencement address. Our democracies are in danger of being torn apart. You've heard me say it before, but I don't think I can say it enough times. In the absence of trusted sources of news and information on the internet relating to the work of governments and the operation of public and civil service, then we will have bad actors and individuals with ulterior motives who are going to disrupt the narrative own the news story, create the news story, and build a tribe of people, bringing them into their community who do not trust government. Listen, I'm not going to say that governments and public sector are perfect institutions. Um, They're imperfect. The world is imperfect. But what we can do is the best in our moment. And when we get it wrong, we should say that we were wrong and tell people how we were going to put it right That constant open line of communication is absolutely critical. And I truly believe that politicians and policymakers and public sector pros need to step into the breach because, as Jacinda Ardern says, misinformation and disinformation will only increase. And those communities who distrust government will only be magnified and they will be leveraging their power in order to recruit more individuals. So I was asked at a recent leadership team meeting within a government agency, how quickly trust can be lost uh, for government bodies. And honestly, my answer was, you're only as good as your last set of communications. It can be lost in any moment. And what we've got to do is we've got to balance the fear of open communications versus the risk 
of attracting criticism. And that's a conundrum that public sector bodies are still having right now in 2022. But this mindset is one of protecting themselves as opposed to, to serving the public. So back to my original question, who owns news anyway? I suggest that you be the author of your own news story and back up what you're saying with facts, with great explainer information and in plain English compiled by a subject matter expert. Disseminate that information in a range of content formats that's going to excite audiences on whatever social network that they're on. Answer the questions of the public and do not ignore them. Identify gaps in your communications by leaning into the comments. Learn by taking action. Iterate and improve all the time. News is your business right now. I'm not saying to, to disregard uh, the, the power and the great work of mainstream media and journalists, but what I'm saying is there's a high level of expectation from the public that you can be the go-to trusted source. And aside from that, filling any misinformation gaps online. Remember, one of the first things I was taught as a young journalist, what is news? News is in the public interest. Public sector's role is to serve the public. You are a source of news. Level up your social media skills by taking our diploma in social media, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code SOCIALMEDIA20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. In today's consulting segment, I'm discussing how to turn news into narrative to shape public opinion. First thing you want to do is you want to establish the facts because there will be information, disinformation, there will be perceptions, misperceptions, and you've got to stand in and you have to establish the facts. The five W's and the H is a great framework here. Who, what, where, why, when, and how. Make sure you're leading into the comments and to see what questions the public have, get lines to take and get explainer answers where possible and signpost the public to somewhere on your website where they can read the extensive detail. Make sure that you understand who is commanding social share of voice around this topic. When a big topic blows up online, you will see very many voices stand in. And what you've got to do here is you've got to understand, well, who's leading the conversation? The journalists are leading the news conversation, but who's leading the narrative on social? It actually could be journalists also. But what you want to aim for here is you want to be owning the news story creating the narrative and shaping public opinion. And when I use language like that, I do not mean, you know, let's engage in PR spin to, to cover up our, our wrongdoing or to, you know, mislead the public. You know I come from a place of in the public interest and having open and transparent communications. Um, Fine-tune your messaging when you understand what, what people are saying about it online. And in fine-tuning the messaging, you should be answering the public's questions. This is also a nice opportunity to develop an episodic content series whereby you have more longer form content to explain and to go deep on the topics. It also allows you an opportunity to maybe have more faces and voices apart from the head of department, the president or the CEO, bring in your experts within the organization. If you feel you need outside experts, 
this is also a good time to take them in. And if there are citizens who are willing to advocate for you, and again, coming from that place of trust and transparency, do certainly invite them on also. So your episodic series could be a podcast series or it could be a video series. Responsiveness and timeliness is really important uh, at this stage when trying to move news to narrative and to shape public opinion. So make sure that you're engaging in real-time social listening and that you are iterating your comms on, a, on an hourly or on a daily basis and that you are agile and responsive to how the story is developing. Um, when you've got all of this content down and maybe the, the topic has kind of wound down and people have moved on to the next uh, big story, don't just forget about it. Make this content evergreen. Optimize it on your website. Pin it to profiles. Highlight it in stories. Um, have it on your link tree on Instagram and on TikTok. Make sure that it's easily accessible for the public. So if these questions arise again, then people know where to find it. And then finally, rinse and repeat this approach because it's in the action taking that the greatest learning happens. And for somebody like me, who's a, a teacher and a practitioner, I really, really encourage my clients and my students to put into action what they learn from me and to test it in the real world with great scenario planning. In today's episode, I want to introduce you to our brand new knowledge product, and it's called Social Media Done For You. Think of it as like social media in a box. All the tools, strategies, and policies that you would need to implement great social media within your government or public sector agency. We've just released it on our website, publicsectormarketingpros.com, and you have lifetime access. And this includes any updates that I make to the resources. So what can you expect? Well, you have a template social media strategy, you have a range of social media policies, you have a 365 day inspiration calendar for social media, you also have checklists when it comes to hashtags, social and live video, auditing of your social platforms, and you also have template graphic designs that we have created in Canva, and all of these come with tutorial videos. So if you want our social media done for you product, go ahead, check it out on our website, and really, the price is amazing. A one-stop shop digital marketing and social media resource. Join our membership academy for 12 months. Access a library of how-to videos, template strategies, and organizational policies. Monthly live coaching. Attend webinars with subject matter experts. Meet and network with public sector pros from across the world. Use the code MEMBERSHIP20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. So joining us the whole way from Hong Kong for this episode is Tony Abad. Tony was a former host and broadcast journalist at Bloomberg. He's now host of the Digital Diplomat Show, CEO of Trade Advisors and a law professor. He has a wealth of experience in international trade from a legal perspective. In this conversation, we talk about the involvement of news, the input of social media and how people can lead online and own their own truth. Tony, thank you so much for joining me on the Public Sector Marketing Show. Thank you for having me, Joanne. So listen, you have a, a long and interesting career, and that's exactly where I want to start. Tell us a little bit about uh, your career to date and 
maybe the the abridged version and not the full version because I know that you've done so much. Well, I I I, I know it wasn't on purpose, but I somehow yeah came up with this. Uh, when I look back at it, it's uh, quite unusual and uh, quite unintended. You know how 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 I ended up where I am. Um, I started out. Uh, I think my first ambition was to be an economist because I thought it sounded good and um, because I was very interested in the economy you know? uh, and that that took me uh, to starting to do work as, a, as an economics degree holder but then I then I started getting interested in law uh, and got attracted to law. So I, I started bringing these two disciplines together, law and law and economics. Uh, and instead of becoming a doctor in economics, I decided to become a, a doctor of law. And, um, and the first area I, I wanted to touch on was taxation. Uh, not a very exciting topic, uh, but it did lead me to another area, which was government government, governance, and public policy. And one of the key areas that, that, um, that I started learning about was about competition and economic integration um, and how a country that engages in international trade, that, that accepts investment, that, that connects with the rest of the world uh, also uh, starts beginning to address many of the domestic problems that that, that they suffer. Poverty, uh, division, um, uh, you know, that, that sort of uh, unequal distribution of, 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 of social, uh, you know, social benefits um, and, and the interaction within society. I think happens, it seems to happen uh, more when a country gets plugged into the economic, the global economic system. That, that was my, my wake-up call. And as a, as a young lawyer, I uh, started dedicating myself to this. I started working for the Philippine government, trying to push for competition in different areas of the economy, and then finally getting myself involved in the international trade reform process as the Philippines was joining the WTO. Uh, and that intrigued me even more. I, I ended up getting appointed to our Tariff Commission, which is an international trade commission, a think tank, and a quasi-judicial body that deals with international trade. And that took me to you know, pushing for uh, integration even more. Um, and integration was my my main theme that that's what i've been advocating all this time i see the world will be better off connected than disconnected and one of the phenomena that was happening you know i was still a young lawyer but i was getting older in, in the 90s into the two the next century one of the one main phenomenon that 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 happened was the internet from from analog you're going to digital and we now take digital for granted. It's now part of our life. Um, but it has connected the world in a way we couldn't have imagined back in the 90s. And now I see that the world has to connect itself, not just physically, 
in terms of international trade and movement of goods and people, but really digitally, so that knowledge and and communication and you know us talking to each other, all of these happens at, at, at even a quicker pace. Um, and then it becomes very important, you know, that the world now becomes this this digital platform. Everything we see, Joanne, is 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 reality to us. So it becomes important what we what content this digital world uh, we live in has, um, and because we are humans and we are reactive more than proactive, we tend to react to what we see on screen. And I think to a large extent, we put so much trust in what we see. And now our smartphones are the source of our news. Uh, and to, a, uh, to an extent, it is, you know, it is where we see reality as we, as we know it. And sadly, even, even truth when we ask us, what's the truth? Well, I think the truth is somewhere here. I just have to Google it. So that's it. And um, one interesting side sidebar or side story I have in my career was was actually to become part of the media world, uh, where I was, you know, basically into policy reform uh, and law practice. Um, I worked, I worked for the WTO, the, the International Chamber of Commerce, trying to promote this integrated world. Uh, but that I, I was fortunate to have a stint at Bloomberg TV uh, and hosted the show called Political Capital. Uh, so I also got absorbed into the world of news. And you really have to admit that when you're there in the platform, you know that what you give out is what they'll see as the reality of the digital world. So then it takes us to your question. Is it news or is it a narrative? Is it, is it a story that's being told to us and as reactive creatures that we believe? Or is it news? Is it something that we, you know, as a journalist and as, as a media person, I, I should I should be dedicated to defending. And I remember not too long ago, we had a conversation, Joanne, and you were saying that we do have a responsibility to, to show up here in social media and defend the truth. What we, what we would know and, and believe to be the truth and, and, um, and fight whatever attempts there are to, to manipulate it or to change it. And that's that's where I'm at. <laughs> so having having had such a, a diverse career, you know, within government, in business, in media, you know, um, are the host of a podcast and active in the digital world, and you know, owning your own story. Where where is the is the balance of power, and how do we achieve it? Because there are so many competing interests. Like when I was growing up in. 80s Ireland, the big players were church, state, and corporate business. Now in Ireland in 2022, I feel that the voice of the citizen is actually driving the media. The citizen is creating the narrative, it's driving the media, the media are putting pressure on our government, 
and that balance of power has shifted. And you guys have had uh, elections recently in in the Philippines, yeah. and you know where are we going in this world now? And everything that we knew to be true, we're now questioning, right? Right. Uh, you know, sadly, here uh, in the Philippines, I, I I'm old enough to know what happened in in the seventies. And so I, I know that history, but there is a whole generation of Filipinos here who, who, who just who just accepted the truth that was and the history that was given to them that was manipulated in in uh, in the internet and then given to them as as the the the, uh, the material uh, that made them accept this new candidate. Well. He's, he's a new candidate, but he's an old, from an old family. So he is the son of the, the dictator back in the 1970s. And they're back. They're back in power. And, and I would say, if you're talking about the game, uh, we lost the game. Or we lost this round of the game. Uh, and it really, it really speaks about that balance of power, that the power has really shifted uh, to a platform or to a media that up to now, I think most of us, especially here, the middle class here, are still trying to, to understand and to grasp that, you know, you could actually do that. You could actually buy an election, but you're doing it in a way that you actually have people genuinely voting for the candidate who, who paid for that election. Um, and well, my my bit of philosophy or reflection, because you, you you mentioned Ireland, but I am actually a big fan of a a Scotsman, who you might have heard of, Adam Smith. And it's 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 basically his philosophy that you know led to what we now know as well microeconomics and the law of supply and demand. But I'm a big believer in what I what he calls the equilibrium between buyers and sellers, but but we'd like to take that concept further. And I think there are economists and even philosophers who have taken this concept further to say that, you know, as long as you have everyone following or exercising their liberty, but not doing harm to others, okay, that confluence, that collective, that collective uh, uh, action actually leads to an equilibrium. Everyone is free to do what they want to do, but the caveat is you shouldn't do anything that will lead to the harm of others. But of course, when you when you acquire market power, when you, you are, you're able to get a monopoly or you're able to get a cartel of a particular product or service, then the temptation to exercise power over others becomes... Uh, extremely tempting, uh, irresistible. And I like to think that that would also apply to politics. That if your system allows for the manipulation or uh, is an electoral system that leads to the concentration of power in a single person or even a small group of people, then you create that imbalance. There's no equilibrium in your society. Uh, and that's what we should be fighting for. 
is to restore an equilibrium between all the players. That's why that's why we fight for our particular sector. You know, if it's if it's gender rights, because we feel that we're, you know, we've been imbalanced, we've been, you know, subject to an imbalance, we fight for that. And then it sort of rebalances. So everything is sort of a rebalancing. Uh, and we may be shocked with the way things were a century ago, two centuries ago, the way we treated women, the way we treated other races uh, or other classes of people. But, you know, we are evolving. You know, I'd, I'd like to think also, Joanne, with a, with a touch of optimism that we are actually evolving into a, a better race of, of, of creatures. And that it is, it is in this concept of, of uh, a political economy equilibrium that we rebalance everything. But if you study what's happening now, whether it's Ukraine, whether it was the Troubles uh, in Ireland, it's always about an imbalance. It's always about a concentration of power somewhere and that irresistible temptation to wield that power against others that, that led to, you know, the desolation, the, the, the hurt. Um, and well, as, as digital warriors and diplomats, yeah, we, we do have some responsibility now to fight for this, this equilibrium and, and try to find how we do it. I, 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 uh, now, with regard to the platforms, this is why I also like to study antitrust or competition law because the competition law is now trying to find a way to address market power within the platforms. How do you make sure that there's always competition happening? But the problem, of course, is competition happening in a business that inherently requires a monopoly so it becomes commercially successful. I mean, uh, Zuckerberg, uh, Bezos, you know, when they first thought about this, probably great ideas to improve human interaction and, 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 you know, uplift humanity, but they probably never imagined that it would become this, these monolithic commercial institutions with the power to actually manipulate, change everything we, we see and feel on the internet simply because they have the power to do it and that they, there is that temptation to, to sell, you know, the service of, um, well, you want to win an election, <laughs> you want to project yourself as, you know, a democratic leader or, or your, your party is, you know, a legitimate party, whatever it is, the temptation to do it is there because there is market power that is exercised by the platform or the business. But then you come back and say, well, there's, there's a principle in competition that says, well, we have to break that up and make sure you're again competing with each other. And as long as there's competition, then there's equilibrium. It takes us back to what we aspire for and what we hope for. I hope okay. I'm not being too long-winded. No, it's it's really insightful. And I, I, I love your perspective on this. And mm -hmm. I think the whole philosophy of equilibrium is something that feels a little bit safer in a world that has gone uh, a lot crazy 
Um, mm. I'm a huge proponent of open and transparent digital communications. And I, I think the internet has connected us. It's given a voice to minorities and it's helped, you know, overthrow old ways um, by virtue of the democratization of the citizen voice. But in the same vein, it has a lot to answer for. And it is really threatening our democracies and what we know to be true. Um, we even saw it even in, in, in the Brexit campaign in the UK. And, you know, it, it's happening in, in nearly every country in the world to some extent. But let's look a bit to the future now. Do you, if we look back on 2022, maybe in 2050, I mean, what will we be seeing? Will we be seeing that the internet just evolved so fast that legislators couldn't keep up? And now in 2050, we have equilibrium. I mean, where do you think we will be? Hmm. Tough question. I don't know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I worry too, because, you know, there's always this sort of a uh, big brother, you know, this whole apocalyptic or uh, dystopic uh, 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 vision of the world, you know, suddenly under control by, uh, by some unseen uh, internet-based power. But I think, you know, transparency is probably uh, uh, the way, the place to begin. Um, again, when you go back to the very simple model of buyers and sellers of a product, uh, it only works with the buyers and sellers also have access to information on the product itself, uh, which means that you always have to make it available. I mean, that's, I mean, I'm taking it from a consumer point of view um, that we should fight for transparency always in in what's 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 in the internet and maybe this 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 uh, we, we hope that uh, competition will always force you know these big players to think twice when uh, there's also a concept called the contestability of market so even if uh, there's a monopoly, like let's say uh, a, a water concession or, or an electricity company. If that electricity company is aware that there's contestability, meaning that even if they're the single operator, but they know that at any time the government would let another operator come in and take over, they'll they'll be on best behavior. It's it's a there's a there's a behavioral pattern when there is competition versus where they there is no competition where there's a monopoly when there's a monopoly situation then you have this uh i guess it's the, the this impunity and lack of accountability um there it's probably about accountability it's, it's being able to account for you know your responsibility to 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 conduct this public service if you are in charge of this huge billion or trillion dollar business of running the internet, then you have a responsibility to, to the world. And there has to be mechanisms for accountability. We don't have their power, we don't have their money, but uh, collectively, we have a voice asking for that accountability. And I think trans any transparency measures would would uh, uh, would would certainly be in order in 2050. However, I'm quite sure there will be some 
fantastic technology that we don't know, black swan, uh, that will be in place, uh, that will be making things move uh, at a fantastic pace. And uh, I think all, you know, that need for transparency, accountability will be uh, as important then as it is now. But that, that, that requires us all to be vigilant and to be active. Your call, uh, Joanne, to be, you know, to step up, to, to show up and, and, and to fight for transparency, truth and, uh, and, and accountability. And that was my next question. You know, in your work now and who you're engaging with on an international basis, are are your 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 clients, your colleagues, your partners, stakeholders, collaborators, are they fully equipped and adept um, at you know operating online and filling those vacuums where bad actors are stepping into to own the news and own the narrative? Because I feel that's one of the problems that we have, that we don't all equally understand how the internet works. And so those who do and who are very, very shrewd can essentially buy elections. Well, my impression, you know, based on clientele, based on interactions with institutions, even with individuals, I think people are still largely brick and mortar i mean in their operation and their concept even i, I confess that to what extent i'm i'm also a brick and mortar kind of lawyer you know? I, I i still do things on paper or use you know my computer is really for word word processing um and the internet sort of comes in as a second sort of a second thought as an additional service you know it, it, it helps me send off emails uh, maybe it's good for my website and i think most people look at the internet this way that it is merely a tool uh it's also a source of news and all that we we don't look at it as with the kind of importance and uh, uh and 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 priority you know, that we should and that is why uh, we get caught flat-footed when those who said, oh, all we have to do is, is change what they're seeing on screen and it changes everything. Because everyone is, uh, uh, everyone is glued to their screens, uh, doing their everyday thing. And again, it's, it's, it's about this, maybe the problem is that we spend most of our time uh, in reactive thinking rather than proactive thinking. Every time our, our you know, these 50,000 thoughts we have a day are all reactive. And so when we're looking at the screen, uh, we just react to it. And maybe we'll, we'll comment, we'll reply, uh, we'll engage a bit, but uh, nobody's, nobody's stopped to question, wait a minute, but what, you know, who put that, who put that content on my screen? Why am I looking at this article now? Uh, and it's it's uh, it's it's awakened a curiosity in me only recently, Joanne. It's something that uh, I I actually like to do a more in-depth research on, maybe something like a dissertation, just to investigate 
what really is what really happens behind the scenes and then how does it impact on governance and i'm not talking about just national governance correct but governance all around the world because uh the question of governance now becomes global because the internet itself is global so uh, i'm also looking i also look at legal systems because that's sort of the it's sort of the hardware of of the implementation of of, of governance uh and still important why you know, people follow laws and in fact those who are manipulating the internet for their for their purpose you know make sure that they are within the law then it's it's actually quite possible that you know it, we can't we can't say that these guys are criminals because they'll say what's the crime the crime never existed it's this whole manipulation is a whole new ball game a whole new uh it's a whole new thing you know uh provides a new playing ground for criminals i mean we right. could we could touch every aspect of society and then discuss how is the internet affecting that i mean it's it really is the the challenge of our age for sure and do you know what tony maybe we should come back and make a date for 2050 and yes. <laughs> re forward to that. replay this interview to ourselves and then see if any of our uh, thoughts or predictions have come through because I think, you know, to end is nobody has the answer, you know what I mean? But we all have to be curious, as you say, yes. we have a responsibility to investigate what's on our screens. And as individuals and as professionals, we have a responsibility to to um, push out truth. Um, and I know we get involved in narrative, but to really uphold um, the work of journalists and um, uh, investigative journalists, because, you know, that's that's why they exist. But Tony, it's always a pleasure to to speak to you. Where can people um, find out more about you or, or connect with you if they if they want to kind of connect with you? Well, you're our dear friends at PCP Growth uh, uh, will will certainly make the connection. Otherwise, uh, please look up Trade Advisors. Uh, we are there. We're not just we're not just specialized in in WTO law, but uh, anything that that crosses borders and that that brings the world closer together and we're not just pure lawyers it's really about now it's really about looking at uh, the policy and 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 the human you know call it that the human nature behind uh, behind how we're evolving now you know uh, Joanne the, what I'm thinking about now is that you know human nature and technology are always way ahead of policy and law yeah, for sure. So in between, here we are. We have to be mindful and and try to catch up with it. And that's that's what we do at, at, at Trade Advisors. And individually, uh, yes, you can you can also look me up uh, on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. <laughs> I'm there, uh, showing up. <laughs> Good on um, you monitoring and uh passing on the truth whenever i can wonderful <laughs> thank, well, you so <laughs> thank you so much for coming to us today from the philippines and uh, i really enjoyed that conversation you've left me in reflective mode i can tell you that <laughs> i hope so <laughs>
and then we should i think we should reconnect and uh because i actually i put myself in reflective mode as well yeah we need to come back to this one <laughs> but thank you so much for having me uh joanne absolute pleasure talk to you soon. all the best all the best Level up your digital skills by taking our diploma in digital marketing, plus gain an industry qualification. Use the code DIGITALMARKETING20 for a 20% discount. Visit publicsectormarketingpros.com. If you haven't had a look at the webinar section of our website, publicsectormarketingpros.com, then go and have a look. We've got about seven webinars there now that we've undertaken right up until June 2022. So I'd invite you to go back and watch on demand any that you have missed and feel free to share with your colleagues here at Public Sector Marketing Institute. We want to lead with value. Thank you as always for tuning in to the episodes. This brings us to the end of season three. And in the next season, we are going to bring you more conversation, more interviews, more insights, more free consulting, and of course, more of my muses in Joanne's column. If you haven't already, please share the Public Sector Marketing Show with a pro that you know. And we do love receiving feedback, comments, and reviews from the podcast platforms and from our YouTube channel. So we've come to the end of season three of the Public Sector Marketing Show. We have produced and published 67 episodes to date. I want to take this opportunity to thank all my guests and contributors, also to the team at Sound to Light for producing this podcast and show to a really high standard. That's what we want to give to our listeners and to our viewers. We have lots of exciting guests and interviews coming up in the autumn in season four. If you want to be part of the Public Sector Marketing Show, drop me an email to info at publicsectormarketingpros.com with podcast in the subject line. I'm always on the hunt for great guests and to showcase the great work in marketing and communications within government and public sector. You don't have to operate in Ireland. As you can see from our previous episodes, we have guests from all around the world. So thanks to all of you who have tuned in so far. I really enjoy showing up every week. Now it's time for a little break on the long form content. We're going to be spending the summer creating some short form content. And I'm sure I will see you over on our TikTok and our Instagram platforms. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Public Sector Marketing Show. This episode has ended, but your digital journey can continue. Head over to publicsectormarketingpros.com to access resources and links mentioned in today's show and to connect with Joanne and her team. Until the next time, be sure to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. 